Thanks for listening to the All About Reality Pod. And before you smash that skip ahead button, let me tell you about Breaking Tea and a sweet discount for our listeners. Breaking Tea makes cool, timely, comfy t-shirts and stuff for sports fans. If Pat Mahomes hits on a play called Jet Chip Wasp to win the Super Bowl, they've got a great-looking Jet Chip Wasp shirt the next day. If Max Muncy tells Madison Bumgarner to go get it out of the ocean, same thing. If Megan Rapinoe breaks off the are-you-not-entertained pose in the World Cup, well, you get the point. So check out the site, BreakingTea.com, and use code REALITY15 for 15% off at checkout. It'll help the pod, it'll help Breaking Tea, and it'll help you get a new favorite shirt for you or someone you love. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, all about reality, headed into the last week of most fantasy leagues regular season. We have made it to the first of many finish lines that are going to be coming up in the days to come. Most single elimination tournaments start now. For some of us, this 13th week, is going to be that elimination tournament. And goody, we got to get people ready both for this final week and looking ahead in the RSO format to what to expect next year. Playoffs? <laughs> Talk about playoffs? Playoffs or are we talking about practice? Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it's exciting time. I mean, we're, we're rounding out the, um, week, week 13. Uh, a lot of people still in the mix, especially in those leagues where you have total points as – as a wild card, which I, I mean, I think some people have that. I think that's kind of the beauty of the, the Scott Fishbowl format. I try to do that in the RSO leagues I'm in. And so I, I think you have <laughs> a, a few teams who have locked up their spots and some have locked up their seating, but everything else is, is you know, that's what makes this a little more competitive at, at the end of the season. So I, I think that, you know, and you also have the, the, I mean, the college football season's kind of in full sw- in full swing with a lot of pauses, but you're seeing enough that people who you know who have that thirst for the rookie the rookie crop and seeing how they're performing in in cert- you know in their smaller samples too. So I think people are excited about that. So if your team isn't doing very well, you can look you know if you're a super flex league, you can look forward to maybe grabbing the Trevor Lawrence and or um, Justin Fields. Um, types as high and, 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 you know, some of the other folks. So I, I think it's, it's certainly an exciting time. It's, it's a miracle that we're through this week, you know, into week 13. I mean, week 12 seemed like it took like a month when, you know, from the time of Thanksgiving games to that, you know, Wednesday game yesterday that I, unfortunately I, I didn't really catch any of it like live. So, yeah. Yeah, listen, man, I'm sitting here. I'm ready to talk this out with you. We can start here, actually. I'm I, on one end of the spectrum, uh, my favorite college football team. I'm rocking the, the Notre Dame starter jacket, late 90s gear going on. So I'm uh, trying to hearken back to the days that were never too glorious for us, but uh, there were some moments for Notre Dame uh, back in the day. But this question is one that's kind of been on my mind, and so I want to put it to you, put it to our listeners. Uh, fortunately much of what you and I do finds us on the inside of the playoffs, looking into scenarios. And we'll talk about our teams to some extent that have gotten us there, but we occasionally find ourselves on the other end of of that. And one of the funny things is my initial RSO league that got me into this fun mix with you all. um, It's my first year, not making the playoffs Uh, accrued, as you might imagine, started to 
saw that coming early, dismantled a lot of things. You got five first round draft picks for next year, but it's interesting. My biggest rival in that league, uh, one of my best buddies, uh, had easily the best team in the league and suffered some of the worst luck I've ever seen. We do not have a total point scored spot. He was eliminated from contention functionally uh, last week. And it was sheer, sheer bad luck. Like we, like he's still one of the top four point scorers, just awful stuff. But I mean, I revel in his defeat and it it just is so funny to me. (laughs) But having said that we play each other in the final week of the season. Normally that's for, for playoff position. And he texted me this morning and said, I don't know if I'm going to start all my best players against you because I want you to get a lower draft pick. So um, it raised some of the questions you and I have alluded to uh, here before. So talk to me about the gamesmanship of that. I actually don't fault him for that mentality, though he already traded away his pick. So it's literally just to deliberately mess with me, his biggest rival. It actually has no benefit to him. So do you think that's fair game in a, in a format like RSO that carries over from year to year? Yeah, I th- I think it's hard because I'm, I'm always kind of you know the the mighty ducks like Gordon Bombay's coach go for the W. Um, I think that mentality. So I think that's hard, and and especially in this case where it's just for spite. I'm not sure if you're going for for seeding or, or sorry. Wait, you said you're already out of it. Never yeah, mind. He so he's just both eliminated. It's exclusively yeah, the level of draft pick. Well, them. yeah. So so then this that doesn't impact anyone else. But it's just like the the weird part about it is that that strategy could backfire because it becomes like a limbo contest of like how many guys you can pull out of your lineups and and everything else. So. In that sense, when it's not when it's when it's kind of in your own bubble and not impacting anybody else, you know, from that perspective potentially, then I, I don't know that there's as much of a, a of an issue with it. Where where I where I try to always focus is like how what I'm doing is impacting others and their position, and you know, if you need if you, if you're banking on me to win so you can get into the playoffs and play if I'm playing spoiler then I, I try I try to do that as much as possible because I, I don't think in, in most leagues some leagues are deeper than others but in most leagues I feel like the difference between one pick isn't isn't always going to happen and you have tiebreakers and total points and everything else so that that said like I I mean I I wasn't thrilled the podcast league when I saw some pretty big names getting benched last week and you know so it becomes an interesting game of whether you sell off your assets like you did and accumulated all these picks and is that the same league you're talking about yeah mm-hmm. yeah so so you may not have a ton of viable guys to begin with that are you know going to create big fantasy value on a weekly basis like at this point in the season so like your choices are, are a little more limited and then you know, but you still may have some anchors that, like, in theory, you're debating whether you're benching because now your friend says they're, they're like, doing the George Cassandra, like, doing it out of spite or whatever. So I, the, the spite thing's a little tough for me to swallow. I, I don't know that I would go, go that route, but I, I think that it's really – if it doesn't impact anyone else's playoff standing, then – I think that, you know, we're all playing, <laughs> everyone else is just kind of, play, you're playing for, oh, like your league dues are funding somebody else this year. So I think I, people can kind of la- laugh that off in a, in a certain respect too. Yeah, you, you talked about pod league. Uh, we could speak of it in writer's league because I face some situations. Again, that, that team has been 
like Avengers dissembled for me at this point. Uh, and yeah. You, you got some of the value of that. Raheem coming back, looking good for you, uh, Mostert. Like that was, yeah. that's looking good. Um, and so that's good. Like that was a good move to get out ahead of that. A lot of people were reticent to, uh, to acknowledge the value he has on a week to week basis. But I think that uh, for those, the cool part is when you plug him in your lineup, he typically rewards you. Now, the reason why I say that is this, I mean, I still can maneuver a little bit to not play spoiler in that league to continue to drive down. Um, I made a rare move to get my own first round pick back in the writer's league. But this is what I want to talk to you about, both with the all about reality, with writers and in general. It's a it's a kind of a game theory principle piece. You suggest that. And I think actually I agree with you on the fundamental level that being aware of how others perceive your actions, it's a you could tank and immediately benefit your RSO team as a GM in the short term. You could tank and, and like you said, bump up pretty clearly you could bump yourself up a spot or two in the next draft where you could hurt yourself long-term is what I think you're referring to. If the other people in the league start to perceive you as a problem child or perceive you as not a, a, a gamesman, not up for it, not, not in it to win it, then suddenly that that's in the back of their mind when they're trading with you, that that ill will lingers, I think to some extent. And so I do think, it becomes an assessment. I mean, all of it's an assessment of how it ultimately is going to benefit your franchise. So I think it's less of a kind of a, a virtue thing and more of a, how are you really setting out to go about winning? Um, and are you doing it the right way? And people perceive it if you don't. So am, am I right in saying that you both think it's not just purely out of self-interest? You actually think there is a kind of an ethics of this. You think there's like a, a universal standard to which we should adhere yeah fantasy players that's a good question i just really thought about this just a second ago i mean my my smell test is this basically it, it's if if i'm if i'm the gm say who's for, who's front running first or second and, and and maybe highest in total points and i'm feeling really good about my chances i i want the competitive balance i want my the i want there to be like fair trades within the people that that are contending with me or whatever so such that i want to be able to trust that the processes that like the market conditions exist or something else and, and then same thing with the tanking that like i have that unforeseen events of, of people just not acting in good faith aren't going to tip my apple cart in a way that is that you know gives gives me less of a chance than I should have by virtue of being good, paying the value in the free market to make trades at value and those types of things. So, so I, I think that that's important. And sometimes like a bye week is, if a bye week is at stake, that's, that could be an important thing. Sometimes, you, you know, there's real money at stake because people are like regular season, the, the champion or, or, or those types of things. So it, it's, you kind of want to make sure like in, in a perfect world you you want people to at least act in in a way that kind of works and from an incentive system i guess that doesn't necessarily disrupt your shot at the playoffs or championship or anything else like you don't want to be think look over your shoulder and say okay i just i just traded i just traded for adam Thielen at the deadline but boosted my receivers i gave up a first for him that then i i said my running backs were kind of weak i i got mostert 
and then like someone else in the league all of a sudden isn't paying attention and then make make some crazy move where they trade a you know a, a sec they get like a, a low second rounder and in exchange they give up you know say like Robert Woods or something I, I mean I don't know you know what I mean like some of those things so you you want that you want there to be that trust in the league that you're respecting when it's someone's turn to like kind of turn in, in the competitive cycle to make a run with the thought that with the same realization that you know there's going to be non-contending teams who want to improve their draft status yeah it's no it's it's interesting this one i do not feel like going to the mat on because i actually respect yeah. your points on this and it's it's something that that bounces around in the back of my head. Like I said, it's not often that we find ourselves, but the cool part about playing RSO is it has forced me into this position a couple of times now in the RSO league. The the boomer bust style lends it very much self lends itself very much to dissembling your team every three, four years and putting back the pieces together. And and so I'm I'm really tempted to laugh when people tell me that like I should be respectful of quote like their turn in line or something like like no like I'm actually yeah. trying to build my own franchise. I literally wasn't thinking about your competitive balance. I was thinking about my crappy luck that landed me with a like a shoddy team all of a sudden, and I'm trying to do my best to put it back together. And it's a little bit like asking the soldier that's like crawling wounded through the battlefield to think yeah. about the opponent that's shooting at him like to be like like no actually i'm not i'm not that into you right now Thank right you. but but it's it's a little different i i think it's more egregious when you're when someone is someone's making bad trades ver, versus someone who's just like i feel like you should set your lineup each week this is rso like you gotta i think the i think the reasonable smell test is you gotta play players who are active yeah, you know bar, barring catastrophe so yep. play play players who are active if that if that active is getting three fantasy points versus you know 25 that there's a difference there but like you know i think that teams like you like where you where you were proactive in the writers league is you still had guys like McLaurin on your team, Mark Andrews, et cetera. But, you know, so to start, so like you, you had a, had a team that you weren't necessarily the favorite every week, but you know, you had a puncher's chance of, of winning game while getting these picks and still had viable guys to play in your lineup. Whereas I've, you know, in the, in the pod league, I'm, you're seeing some of these lineups where it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty barren. And those fields are pretty barren on some of those games. Those guys, you got like so the true. Josh, so the true. Josh Adamses of the world, and everything else, like you know, Auden Tates and, and those types of guys. You know, and, and it's sixteen team league, so there there is going to be some of that. And with it being super flex, every quarterback imaginable is is rostered. So I I think it I think it gets tricky, but I, I think that kind of the the unfortunately it kind of almost turns into an optics or appearances exercise. You know, like, I mean, I'm not one who typically combs the lineups of everybody in the league and see what they're doing because I feel like I just trust, especially leagues I'm in with my friends. Like, I, I don't feel the need to have to do that. So I'm with you. So on the good news, let's switch to something much lighter. Yeah. For the rest of season, we want to help folks out. Uh, we want to – I'm digging a little bit deep in the bag to tell you players – 
that I think, uh, obviously at this point in the year, we're not recommending that you go get players. We're not necessarily recommending something like that. But we are, I think, in a position where we can highlight uh, guys that are going to make a name for themselves over the, the stretch run here and potentially elevate their value like a significant amount. Um, and, and I just think this will be a fun exercise. So we're going to talk. Uh, Goody, I want, I want five guys from you for the rest of season. And then we're going to talk our early, if we're on the other side of it, you and I, again, we got, we got to start thinking about the kind of players as an RSO GM that we want to have under contract at the beginning of next season. So we could talk, we'll, we'll tell people some uh, kind of full price contracts that we'd be willing to, to put our chips on. You and I have been long standing advocates of the, the Nick Chubbs of the world. And I, I could see his name bubbling to the surface again, but also like, where would we put that? if we were starting from scratch where we go get a guy like him, or would we want a rookie contract of, of the, uh, the Najee Harris variety or a super flex guy like Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so let's talk like that too. So that's, okay. that's all going to be open. Any, any of it's fair game for you. Any of those kind of contracts, assume rookie contracts, if you want assume full value one. So I'm going to talk rest of season guys that I think maybe off the radar that you should start plugging into your lineups. I'm going to start um, with a rookie wide receiver. This class has been so fancy. I love it. There's just so many of them coming at us from all angles. And a guy, uh, a team that I've thought about since the beginning of the year that's starting to click and starting to put up some fireworks, uh, just not from the rookies, I thought. I'm going to tell you, I think Michael Pittman Jr. is just an outstanding stretch run I think his matchups for the remainder of season all through the, the fantasy playoffs are just uh, incredible rated five stars uh, over on fantasy pros, our friends over there. And they're just uh, like so far, he's only registered as the wide receiver 43. I think he could creep his way up um, even to low end wide receiver two status before this is all said and done. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, he's definitely seen the target volume. He didn't have a great, he had a kind of subpar game last week, but he did have nine targets in that game. And that, that game kind of got out of hand with Derrick Henry dominating. By, by the way, I kind of misinterpreted this exercise. So like rest of the season, who, who, who do I think is going to carry teams? And, and Derrick Henry was tops on my list there just because that schedule, the Browns, the Jags, the Lions, and the Packers. I just think, you know, the run, those are, run defenses that I think can be exploited heavily. And then I, I think as you've seen the last couple of years, Derrick Henry, as the weather gets cold, they, they seem to, to run on, run on Derrick basically. And, and, you know, he's also like, it seems like I read Road World today, they're trying to amp up his, his reception volume a little bit. And he's seeing like two and a half targets a game, I think. Or, so that's, that's up from the past too. So that's just great. You know, that's gravy. So, um, but I, on Pittman, I, I, I do like him. It's, I guess we're, we're looking. So this week they got the Texans, which is a very good matchup. Then um, the Raiders, which I think that pass defense is a little suspect. Then the Texans again. So you're salivating at the chance to play the Texans twice for sure. And then week 16 playing the Steelers. I'm, I don't know that I'm, I'm toning out rookie receiver in my potential championship game, but I want to put this back on you for a second. Like how, you know, you're out of the playoffs in the writers league. Why don't you help, help, help your old friend, Matt Goodwin out here because I did draft Michael Pittman in the second round and Matthew Berry announced it with the announced pick. And that was cool. Um, as my one pick. So 
I'm facing a dilemma where I have DJ Chark, a banged up DJ Chark, going up against your Minnesota Vikings. I, I think that game is in um, the Twin Cities. Uh, so Chark, Chark against the Vikings. We'll get more updates on his status this week uh, for, versus, uh, versus Pittman playing the Colts uh, following a down week. So given those variables, and I have to start one of those guys, I think probably at a flex position just because I have C-Mac on by, still unhealthy, et cetera. Who who would you be leaning towards in that situation? Yeah, so first of all, you're right. I mean, he is not trotting out in any starting lineup against the Steelers uh, unless they have nothing left to play for. Then potentially you could you could see them just like like going DGAF in that game. Um, having said that, I, I'm behind him, uh, even coming off a, an off game, precisely because of the, the things that you talked about with Chark, his, his injuries. I, I don't have any faith, frankly, in my Vikings defense this year, but they are starting to come on. And if anything, they're starting to come on as like a run funnel defense, right? Like their, their interior is still so shoddy on the, the defensive line. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and I think maybe, just maybe, they're, they're getting a little bit healthier at the corner position. And uh, at any given point, you know, Harris and um, Harrison Smith are both really physical safeties that can erase a guy from the game who's already damaged. Like it's, it's not, not a safe place especially yeah. with a dodgy uh, quarterback throwing to you. I mean, is it going to be Minshew? I, it might still be. Uh, I think it's. Right? I think they said it's Glennon this week, which I mean, I'm starting the Vikings defense in the one league that I'm, I have a defense over. I mean, the Bucks are on bye, and then the Browns play the Texans. I, I want no part of that. that. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's just one of those things, the more we say out loud, the more it seems like I, I'm yeah, a hard time. But, but it's – but yeah, it's also the, you know, we've talked about this, the trusting Chark in that Jags offense, whereas somehow like you can blindly trust James Robinson, even though like you, you wonder where the, like, and, and some of it's volume and some of it's just the dudes just every week just goes out and does it basically. Yep. But I, I mean, for me, I, I think that you, you plug and play James Robinson, obviously now at this point, he's a top five running back, at least for, for this year. I mean, we'll see what they do in the draft if they try to draft some draft someone to push him a little bit. But um, I mean, it's a great story. And then it's just Chark. The whole reason I I made that what, that trade with you for Mostert was part and parcel because I didn't necessarily trust Chark right now. I I love his talent. I've been high on him before. He's on a cheap contract. But it, for for me, it was like if I had a chance to get a guy like Mostert and start, you know, and also with running back scarcity, I'm taking a guy like Mostert away from my opponent. So that kind of bumped me up to the second round pick that I was reticent to give up, I, I would say previously. So, yeah, I, I think, um, so what all this comes to that, that you would probably play Pittman against the Texans over Chark against your Vikings. I would, I would. And so let's move on to, uh, I, I don't think you misinterpreted the, the activity. Like, I just think, our listeners don't have to come to us to know that Derrick Henry is going to beast out the rest of the year. Yeah, right? exactly. Is, exactly. Is, uh, I mean, he's being touted all over the the Twitter website. He like, and, but, but it's not wrong to say like, what is a guy in that mode or that model? Mm-hmm. And yeah, one of the guys that I'll, I'll build off that. I actually think um, not the same kind of running back, um, but precisely because you're going to get Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram hammering away at people, I think now's the time for Dobbins to uh, kind of put up uh, points. And I've, here's his remaining schedule. 
This week he plays against the circumspect Dallas defense. And then in the playoffs, you get your Cleveland Browns, the Jacksonville Jaguars that we were just referring to, and then the NFC East leading New York Giants. So, right, like that's, that's, your, yeah. that's all you got to deal with. I, I assume none of those games are blowouts uh, against <laughs> a Ravens team that's still going to be fighting for a playoff spot. I really like J.K. Dobbins. I really, I just, I, I have, um, I haven't been high on him uh, throughout the duration of the year. I loved him as a stash. And I think now he's one of those guys that you can hear the whispers. And I could say like a month from now, I would not be surprised if you and I are putting him in our top 10, 15 players for uh, next season. Yeah. And he was one of the guys, while I felt like I missed the exercise and put more Captain Obvious type stuff, Dobbins is a guy that based on the schedule and everything else I did have as, as a more, you know, kind of a this year plus next year thing where I think he does really emerge down the stretch. Um, partly because of the schedule, partly because you, you kind of saw Gus Edwards in a feature role, albeit against a, a really tough Steelers defense with, you know, no Lamar Jackson, but you, you, you also are seeing Mark Ingram fading and there's not, there's no reason. I mean, the, the Ravens are fighting at this point for, for a playoff spot too, like you said, and you know, my Browns have a better record than the Ravens. So I, I think that people have kind of figured out the Ravens plus this COVID thing and this wonky schedule, they're going to have to rely on, like maybe less of a rotation at running back position and, and more guys that, you know, have upside and they can plug in so long as the pass pros there. So yes, I, I wholly agree with you on Dobbins and, and I do love his prospects next year and for probably the next, you know, the rest of that rookie deal. Sounds good. And I'm going to cheat for the last three and, and, and see how you think about this. Mm-hmm. I've been so up and down on these guys all season long. And yet it just seems like it has uh, kind of a fairy tale ending in the making. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are sitting on a bye this week, but then the mm-hmm. fantasy playoffs are sadly my Minnesota Vikings, the Atlanta Falcons, and then the Detroit Lions. That is an awful lot of good weather and domes coming at them uh, for, for Tom Brady in his, in his aged years. He's going to be happy to be out of that New England weather. And he's got... Mike Evans. He's got Chris Godwin. Uh, there's another individual there that has had some success at the wide receiver position. And then he's got uh, the potentially the best tight end of all time that hasn't really popped but has flashed at moments this year. Like, I, I think you could comfortably start any of those guys for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not necessarily there with you yet. I do think they found something in the second half against the Chiefs, but just looking at the the passer rating on on balls of, um, greater than 20 yards before last week, I think Brady had like a zero QBR on I think it was 20 some passes or whatever over the last month, and that scares me with that team a little bit. I, I know that maybe the defenses get a little softer, but th- to me that's like like thinking about like Roethlisberger and then Carson Palmer under Arians in in Arizona and then Brady, like what they're, what they're trying to do, it seems like is, is kind of throw those intermediate crossers that are a little deeper and then, you know, hit the deep ball from time to time to guy like Evans. And, and that scares me a little bit on, on the Brady side. I mean, that said, you know, the bye probably comes at the perfect time for, 
him to figure that out. So I, I could very well see you being right <laughs> because I do think that they're going to be on the, on the plus side of these games in terms of outcomes. But I, I don't necessarily – I think Brady's made some – you know, misread some defense and made some pretty poor decisions for him. And I don't know if that's just part of, like, the aging and a little bit of de- deterioration or or kind of the natural progression of understanding Bruce Arians' offense where it seems like everybody has had their learning curves. So I, I don't know that that's something that gets solved for in 2020 versus 2021. I got you. And actually, that's an interesting note, right? You know, I don't have a lot of love uh, for Antonio Brown, but I've been thinking about yeah. it. Is he, is he going to be back as a top 20 wide receiver discussion for next season, do you think? Like, is he back in our lives for good? I, At least for I, the redraft I, aspect of our yeah, like the short-term I, big contract type that guy. I, no, I, I don't I don't think so. I, I mean, I think he's, he's looking – like, you're – you're looking at him in like the wide receiver three range now, I would say in that in like, you know, like around like wide receiver 30 to 36, I, like in fantasy leagues is what I would even say. If Godwin, even if Godwin gets paid and walks away from the bucks. Yeah. Mm, that's a better, that's a better question, but yeah, I'm still going to stick to that. I mean, I, I just think there's, I mean, I hate to say this because I just think he's super, you know, I mean, the skill level is transcendent. I, I haven't watched enough to see like whether the, how good the routes are and everything else with him. I mean, I have seen he's gotten some decent volume, but I just think there's a lot of distractions and everything else going on. And, and so I, I I mean, for, for, for my money, I'm looking at, I I just feel like there's guys that I'd, I'd rather have than him, like in, in that range, like a, I think I'd rather take the risk on Mike Williams's upside, for instance, yeah, <laughs> as no, a guy, especially like down the stretch. I like Mike Williams. I wrote Keenan Allen down as my obvious carrying guy because he has great chemistry with Justin Herbert, who's been, you know, who I would think I would plug in as my rookie of the year, just totally exceed expectations. And that's even given to James Robinson. <laughs> but okay. but like Keenan Allen's got the Patriots this week, so that's not a great matchup. But then, the, unless he moves on the to the inside, but then the Falcons, the Raiders, and the Broncos. So I, I think that could, you know, so Mike Williams has that same that same output, and then I just think he's kind of the deep threat guy. And I think Herbert takes his takes his shots. I mean, as frustrating as the Chargers are to watch, and Anthony Lynn just kills me with like some of the run plays, running like you know guys up the middle, you know, yep. like into a wall, like a, guy, a slow guy like Josh Kelly or whatever. When you have a guy like Eckler, or you have all these big receivers who can catch a ball at the two yard, you know, at the two yard line. But anyways. Um, that's the topic for another day. Well, listen, I, I like those guys. I think that's a good look. And I hope our listeners walk away with a little bit, like go look at some of these schedules, make a practice at the end of the year of seeing if there's still guys, uh, like the, the guys that float out there. Um, you never know how injuries are going to go, especially. And obviously as we've seen with games getting shut down, you can get some of these fringy guys still floating around, depending on the depth of your league. Like certainly Pittman might not be rostered unnecessarily every uh, RSO <laughs> roster um, if you're in a 10-teamer or something, but I suspect he is. But then on the other end of it, you could get guys like the Adam Humphreys of the world who have a really favorable schedule going through um, the, the duration of the year. Um, so right. 
so it's okay to like do this exercise. I think it makes you a better player. And, um, and that, that allows us to turn our attention to next year too, right? We have some potential movement. We got the, right. we got like the guys that are potentially going to be moving teams, but for right now, I just want to just have some fun and, and in a perfect world, uh, if you were doing an RSO startup, which let's be honest, you, you are a much more practical man than I, you might not do one. I'll probably do one just cause I love doing startups <laughs> every year. But having said that, um, do you have any, like, do you have a number one off the top of your head that you're just like, if I was in a startup, this guy at this price would be on my team. At, at like a high price or, uh, yeah, any, anyone you want, like just your, it's, it's, it's your candy bag. You're, you're doing a startup. So you can either say I would pay for the rookie pick, right? You can, you can do some startups that way. Like, or, yeah. Or you could say, I, I would just want one of these rookies coming out more than anything else. Uh, which is a dicey position. I found myself in that position with Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, that has left me uh, singing some Irish ballads by myself out, out in the wilderness. Yeah. So um, that's a good question. I, I think I think for me, um, just because of most of the start, just trying to be real, most startups I'm doing like don't have the rookie draft beforehand. You're just those rookie contracts are like basically you're, in, you're yeah. yeah you're just paying full price for those guys or, or near it. Um, I'm, I'm paying in that situation, I'm paying a premium contract to either, depending on how the market plays out of one of these two guys. And that's either DK Metcalf or his college teammate, AJ Brown. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I, I just love the physical, physical tools. I don't think they've tapped their potential yet. I, I just think like the touchdown volume is there. The pass volumes there. the, the, the yards after catch, like I, there's just so many different things about them and they'll be in their third year ascending. I, I don't think it gets any better than that for at the receiver position, especially as you know, some of the, I, I mean, I've always loved like Devonte Adams and, and, and DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, Terry Kill's a beast, like how a guy of that small stature does what he does is amazing. But like, if I, if I'm doing a startup RSO league, I, I have to have one of AJ Brown or, or, or DJ or, or DK Metcalf next year. I think that's a wonderful, and, and it, it caught me off guard because I, I certain, certainly AJ Brown has been one of my touts and I went and got him in a lot of leagues. I, I yeah. He was exceedingly undervalued coming off that rookie year um, with how well he performed mm -hmm. um, to the point where I was valuing more than DK Metcalf, which so it was both a hit and a miss, right? Like I was moving, I moved DK for uh, DJ Moore in one league, which has been a regrettable because uh, he's just so fun to watch. And you know, it, we, we both love like when they let Russ cook, like, there's some sense where my only regrets this year have been moving away from things that you and I always talk about. Like I, I moved off of Juju too fast in the league, uh, in the, in the, in the podcast league, I moved off of. Yeah. I'm not sure you moved off of him too fast based on the contract, honestly. No. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah, I'm not totally ripping my hair out about it. Yeah. It's, just, it's just, there's a sense in which it's fun to cheer for Juju Smith-Schuster. He seems like. A yeah. Player. Oh yeah. I, absolutely. Absolutely. And I say that knowing that he plays for the Steelers right now. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, I'm with you. It's, but again, what I like about what you said is you named all the right guys, right? Like those are the wide receivers that are going to get paid big contracts, the Devontae <laughs> Adams, Tyreek Hill, and um, 
DeAndre Hopkins, I think are the only three that have the potential to go in the first round besides I mean, DK Metcalf, right? I mean, Slant Boy probably too, but depends on who is quarterback. If it's, if it's Taysom Hill, like that takes a serious hit, so. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he has <laughs> some of those question marks that this year, right? Like we're, we're such, as much as we try not to be, in our industry, we're so much, what have you done for me lately? And I think Thomas has fallen out of that crowd a little bit. Right, but but guys like Godwin, like Godwin's been banged up and hasn't done all that much. He's he's up at those high dollar levels. It, like he'll be in the same company as like the Metcalfs and the, and the Browns. Almost. Not, not necessarily Metcalf, because I think he's had a lot of island games that people have been able to see yep. and like Russell Wilson playing. But I mean, you don't know. Like it, it seems like you'll see down the stretch. I mean, I think Metcalf is is like Seattle run game proof basically so like I think yeah. regardless regardless yeah. of the fact whether they want to be 50-50 or not like Met, I think the guy who suffers in that situation more is Lockett because I mean, Metcalf's also a physical specimen who can run block and punish a, a safety or a linebacker even so but it you know it'll be interesting to see as as things go down the stretch whether the Seahawks are a more balanced team especially as they make their playoff push. Yeah, I feel like I'm the like a devil whispering uh, on your shoulder right now because I think if this is how you feel about those guys, and rightly so, I think this might be a year to get a startup in because I think you're absolutely right <laughs> in your valuation of Metcalf. Like you would have to pay the big bucks for him. Right, who's uh, taking over for one of my teams and one of my existing Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> but on the flip side, on the flip side, I actually do think uh, A.J. Brown will still be a, a, a tier down precisely because, as you say, I don't think he's had like the Island games. I don't think he's necessarily showed out um, in the consciousness of the average. Uh, and the quarterback player. is plays into it too. And the I quarterback think. plays into it too. So I think that's the cool part. You could get both of them uh, comfortably on your team uh, if you're, <laughs> if you're starting up. And so that's cool. That's a good, that's a good thing. I think um, very good. Very good. Yeah. I would go with those. I, I would acknowledge those. I don't want to get away from the usual strategy where I would start with a running back on a big contract. And, and that's really been really hard for me, like watching what Henry's about to do to, to leaves like at the yeah. end here. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, he's not a guy that I'd feel comfortable still giving one of the three or four year contracts at the beginning of a. Right. It's hard though, because we have such a PPR mentality and that guy is, it doesn't matter that he doesn't catch a bunch of passes. He's just, he's just that good at way. And, and I think Chubb is the same way. So that, that's where like my love for those guys, because it's like, it, how many got, how many guys in the NFL are running for a hundred yards and two touchdowns in a week anymore, you know? Exactly. And, exactly. and so, and, and those guys can do it, you know, in, in, in 10 carries basically. Yeah. Do you, and so, so this is the fascinating piece, right? It, it, it becomes the question because of the ambiguity coming off of this season is, is C McSee still the number one is like Saquon still a top three, like, I mean, I think I think CMC is still that because, I mean, you have to look at your peer, like at the peer group at the running back position, right, right. like as part of that equation. And and you can't label CMC as injury prone for what happened this year, but you can label Dalvin Cook that way. I mean, the guys miss time all the time. A guy like Chris Carson who's not in that league, same type deal. I mean, Kamara, you know, I mean, Taysom Hill is is rendered Kamara a little bit less useful you know if we're, if we're being not using nice words I mean <laughs> guy, a guy who's kind of impressed me on the cheap if they stick with and commit to him is 
Ronald Jones has done some things that could make him attractive at a cheaper price per se, just to, just to throw a name out there. But then, you know, I don't think you want to be paying for, for James Robinson either. And so like it, it becomes, who are these guys? Derek Henry's still in the mix. Like Chubb's still going to have Hunt to contend with. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire with a, with a real off season probably will be pretty, po- you know, pretty popular guy too. Okay. But you know, I, I mean, I think Dalvin Cook, if Dalvin Cook was like could get through six, eight, one 16-game season while McCaffrey was still getting hurt, then I think he could very well be, be that guy. But I don't think at the high end, if you're, if you're, if you're throwing you know, like your treasure chest of salary cap in a potentially down year in salary cap too, you know, if you're a startup, it could be $175 million. <laughs> Like, let's be real. And then I, I think that Dalvin Cook, the the risk that just doesn't doesn't compute as much as like a guy like McCaffrey who who does so much in in the passing game as well. Yeah, so I I I like your style there. I think um, I think the the wild card that I would throw to our listeners is I want to write down now in pen and come back to this and see if it looks prescient at all. But I I can't help but think that Miami's doing something right. And if they take a running back in the first or second round, yeah, I want that running back uh, more than most as a building block. Um, I completely agree with you. And um, I also, I mean, I, I want to go Homer so bad and talk about all the good things that Justin Jefferson is doing and how his season just came out of nowhere and looks <laughs> like he's like he's outperforming. Like, I mean, his his rookie year is on par and exceeding that which DK Metcalf did, it's exceeding that which a guy named Megatron did. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah, right? it's, like, it's been, it's been really good. I mean, even like the Mike Evans, I saw that today. Yeah. So this is a, I mean, I, I want to go him, and, and absolutely, if you can get him on a rookie contract, I'd be willing to give up an awful lot to get him. But I, I, I think uh, the other one that I would say, like if we're sticking with running backs here, I keep coming back to the fact that Chubb uh, survived and thrived despite um, Cream Hunt getting his, his touches and getting his due. Like, I, I think that... Yeah, I really think that's just a, an efficiency. Like, he's just efficient then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... So I think he would and will remain uh, my building block running back going into next year. He's got the youth attached to him. And and yeah, I think I think that would be my guy that I... That I you know, I, you have to spend that one big contract to at least get one anchor there before you go chasing the chasing the wild cards and that that would be my guy um, right there yeah i i'm not sure who i would build around and running back but i think that depending on what he does down the stretch i think i think if dobbins like does good but not great he could be the guy that you'd want to jump into next year i think like he could price if he just goes bonkers down the stretch then he's going to price price himself out of you know, on, on a startup contract, basically, you're you're probably looking at like 25 million or more. But I, I think that's a guy that, you know, I I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind rolling the dice as as a potential running back one, building around him, and like the receiver that I mentioned. That's fascinating. And so uh, this has been a point of contention. Uh, you know, some back channel chatting with other analysts and stuff, and and even at the fore of our industry at this point. 
you know, there's guys that are that are th- already throwing Robinson in the mix of like this really excellent rookie class. Uh, I have not given up on Acres. I have not given up on um, on Dobbins. Certainly, I mean, I think you and I have been high on yeah. Him. Um, but on Taylor or Ceh. I, well, I, I mean, the thing is about – let's talk about Taylor for a second because I know I've been critical of him. Right. He's still, like, running back 20 this on the season. Right. right. So, like, I think that's lost on some people because, you know, maybe he doesn't have the, the touchdowns or, you know. But Philip Rivers always, like, seems to throw to the scat back and, and they steal touchdowns in different ways. So, like, I, 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 I don't think you're, like, giving up on any of these guys. No, and I think, and if anything, Taylor reminds me an awful lot of another Wisconsin running back. I mean, his rookie season seems to be an analog to to Melvin Gordon, right? Like, yeah. it was just a fluky, no touchdown. Like, I, I don't see the same – like, he doesn't look sluggish to me when he's playing. He looks, like, less decisive perhaps than he was, like, running behind those big Wisconsin boys in college. And let's be honest, the Colts have been – awfully lot worse on the offensive line than we anticipated they would be this season yeah but but i i still i am comfortable with trotting out any of those rookie running backs again i'll run it back i want i want to find the owners i want to find the general managers in rso that are paying these rookie running backs and seeing if they're frustrated with a concussed deandre swift seeing if they're frustrated with uh, with CEH not getting passing work, seeing if they're frustrated with Jonathan Taylor's perception, as you say, even though he's been a fine running back too. Um, and and frankly, you know, like especially if Acres remains mired in this three-headed beast for the rest of the season, that guy, go get him. I, I think that would be a fun yeah. one for you next year. To- totally. I, I mean, I, I have some guys that I like. I want to talk about a little bit, like more I, from a cheaper basis. Go for it. Um, one thing I was thinking about, like for a not obvious rest of season play, if you're in a super flex league, I, I kind of like the Bears schedule down the stretch. So, um, you know, I, and and I know it, it's weird to say it, but Mitchell Trubisky like had a decent game the other day. I I mean, he's not an obvious guy, but he may be someone who may be sitting on a waiver wire of a, a 10 or 12 team super flex league. And, and I think that's a guy that, you know, could end up paying dividends down the stretch if you can trust him and, you know, maybe take week 13 as a sample and see what happens. And, and by extension, I, I, I really think that the bears, I think the bears are on the de- decline, at least in, in terms of their playoff chase, and everything else. I think that they're going to see what they have in, in Darnell Mooney down the stretch. And I think that Darnell Mooney could be a guy, especially with Allen Robinson being a free agent that you, you, could potentially plug as an ascending talent into your lineup next year for fairly cheap. So um, he's a guy, I I mean, with higher draft capital um, and bigger names, but the 49ers receivers, I think this will really be the first time that we'll see Ayuk and Debo in in the same, you know, like for an extended stretch of time, assuming no injuries, I, I kind of want to see what see what that looks like too. I could be excited about those two guys as, as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good strategy too. It's hard for me as someone who is adherent to like robust RB, but I will say I think some of the smartest RSO GM moves you can make is when you take a guy that's a really good running back like Chris Carson, and you you ask yourself how much longer he's going to do it. And 
uh, he he would be what I I perceive as close to what James Conner was going into this offseason. As like guy, you could just yeah. see the industry kind of talking themselves into like, whoa, he's attached to a really good team. He's been a good running back, and he's going to get volume. And so that's the kind of guy that I would go out and dangle for the 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 really excellent young players that you're talking about. Especially, I mean, I wouldn't give him away for um for Mooney, but you could get Mooney as a throw in if you're like, hey, I'd I'd really like Debo. Uh, I'd really like another piece, like a, a a draft pick, and I'd like Mooney, and I think you could get that package for a Chris Carson. Yeah, no, I I, I can see that. I, I I mean, I'll say this, just being a sale. Pete Carroll loves Chris Carson. I think the I mean, he loves like Marshawn Lynch, Chris Carson. They kind of run the physical runner, and especially like I think Chris Carson's hands are kind of equivalent to Lynch's. Right. You know, and most times I, I think that Chris Car that the identity of what Pete Carroll wants to do is got is have guys like that. So yes, you probably have to predict the injury cliff and everything else because the way those guys run are not going to sustain in a 16 game season we, we know that already Carson's missed games you know of the last three seasons but at the same time he's still a guy that I think is very I, I mean I don't know his contract situation is beyond this year but like I, I think he he's someone that I, I feel like this, the Seahawks will as so long as he's still producing and doesn't have a you know, a season-ending injury is is a guy that is is in their plans still, um, which may be a little bit different than like what the what the Steelers are potentially doing with Connor. No, yeah, it's a good insight, and I think it's the kind of trade that you can go with a straight face and 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 like an honorable trade. Like, I think Carson still has value, right? And yes, yeah. it really, as you say, both because his team in real life loves him, but also. <laughs> I mean, we've all sat through those dog days of the summer when you're looking around the league and you're like, <laughs> holy crap, there is not any running backs that are going to get volume. And Carson starts to look awfully pretty when you're like, right. am I gambling on Carson or am I gambling on like one of the three running backs in LA or San Francisco, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah Carson sounds pretty cool. Um, so well done. Well done. Uh, is there any final name that you want to get out there either for this year or for next year as, as we, uh, you know, get get into this season of anticipation, the end of the regular season. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't watched it. Let's just take a, a jump into college football for a second. I haven't really watched a, a ton of it. Um, I, I totally hear you with like if like what the Dolphins are building, if they grab a, a running back because they're going to keep building on the offensive line, especially with those Texans picks too. I think they have the ability to play some chess while everyone else has to play checkers. Um, I, I mean, being an Ohio State fan, I haven't seen a ton of games, but I know this guy well from the last couple of seasons. I think I think Chris Olave is a legit NFL receiver, and and you've done pretty well if you've drafted an Ohio State receiver in the second, third round the last couple of years. If you're like a McLaurin, if you're talking McLaurin or Michael Thomas before him, so I think Olave has like some of the better route running. Um, traits um you know and, and by same time ohio state's only played a handful of games and they may not even get to six games <laughs> you know they've canceled a couple so like six games to be cfp eligible so um but so i think but i think there's enough of a sample from that guy though from the past couple of years where he showed out i think against clemson and some other teams that you know that that guy is, is somebody that i i could potentially like and 
in a rookie draft. I, I'm pretty sure he's a senior or a, probably a junior who would, who would come out. Yeah, I think that's very good. I think, uh, I mean, this isn't a deep dive by any means, but I think a guy that could surprise relative to um, to where people are talking about him and the way that they're talking about him is I, I think I have to like point you back to to Utah, so to my humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. And normally I would I would not uh, ever speak well of anybody from this university, but the the BYU quarterback, Wilson, is looking really cool. He's going to get a showcase game on ESPN against Coastal Carolina. And I think – Yeah, I've heard about guys, that. Yeah, I think he's one of these guys that could surprise with a an NFL franchise falling in love with him. You have a lot of, like – uh, you, you know, you got the Andy Reeds and his coaching tree, but there, there's a lot of like connection to the to the BYU program that that give these quarterbacks a chance, and, and they remember all the way back to the Detmers of the world. So that could be one. And then, and then the most fun for me will be the off-season debate between uh, Etienne and Harris. I think I think that's another fun. I always love the debate as to who can be the top running back. It's been Etienne for so long, and and I think Harris is really making a case for himself. Um, and yeah. so I think, I think those, you know, just trying to see where those two land and, and I, I can't wait. I, I'm looking, I already find myself, I, I'm excited for the rest of this season and I already <laughs> like, like to turn a, a baleful eye towards the, uh, the upcoming. Sure. Actually, I have one more thought while you're talking college football. I haven't seen, I haven't seen him play yet, but I've seen Twitter talk about him and this is, um, cut, sorry, Pitts from Florida. Yeah. The tight end, which like transcendent tight end talent, it sounds like, you know, and, and I read sometimes like it depends what system he goes to and this, that and the other, but it seems like he has dominant ball traits. And so, and I know the quarterback of Florida is, is kind of a high riser where they're saying that he may like shoot up boards like Burrow did, you know, yep. and, and I, I mean, I haven't really seen them play, but I think it'd be interesting, like, especially because we typically don't give high draft capital to tight ends, you know, in, in, a, in a year where, where there's more unknowns and less college football to watch and everything else, whether, whether Pitts is, is somebody who actually goes in the first round of draft, rookie drafts, like, because I think even as good as we thought Hawkinson and Fant were, most of those guys, like, didn't necessarily crack the first round of, of drafts. And then, like, obviously, I think, like, the, the best rookie tight end of all time is probably Gronk or whatever. And he, he was, like, a second rounder in real life, I think, or even third. And I don't think – and I think he was a bit of an unknown, so. Yeah, it's, it's especially fascinating, right, when we know uh, Nick Andrews at RSO has done a lot of good work about the value of tight ends if they slip to the second round. Uh, mm-hmm. in the in the writers league 10 teamer i mean he's certainly kyle pitts is not getting out of the first round of our of our listener league for sure with six yeah. teams but having said that i mean we when with the 10 team writers league you have as many as potentially four five or six quarterbacks going in the first round in a super flex uh uh like pardon me in the real first round of the nfl draft which makes them all pretty palatable for a first rounder in a super flex draft and then you have the two running backs for sure and any other um, kind of eye candy that, that develops during the, the NFL combine and the, the duration of the, of the college football season at running back. So that, that by my count, always put, already puts you seven to eight deep out of, out of typical first rounders in a super flex draft. And that's not even talking about what Ray GQ called, told us was one of the best rookie wide receiver drafts. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so 
So yeah, I mean, you might have a transcendent tight end talent that you're now going to have to ask yourself if you want that talent on your team more than a Jamar Chase or a Rashad Bateman or a Waddle, you know, or yeah. a Devonta Smith. Like, I mean, these names, like we, we like you said, we, we haven't been watching a ton of college football, but these names are names that we know because they've been so sparkly for so long already in the college ranks, right? So, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, wow. buddy, good, good times. Um, where can people go looking for you? Um, people can look for me on Twitter at Matt Goody too. A special shout out to our sponsor, Breaking Tea, breakingtea.com. Um, 15% off still with Reality 15 promo code. Also, if you get, if you've ordered five lifetime orders, you get free shipping for life. Um, also get included in a nice VIP Slack with some flash sales and everything else, which, you know, I've been lucky to, to be a part of. Um, they also have some like holiday sales going on now too. You find that. So if you have something that piques your interest, either in the football realm, baseball, et cetera, um, you know, U.S. women's national team, they got it all. Yeah. Very good stuff. And I, and I would say now's a great time. I, you know, we're settling in. You guys are going to have some time uh, to do something thoughtful. It would mean a lot. Like, we love the commentary. We love the interaction that Woody and I, er, that Goody and I have been getting on, um, on Twitter. It would be a great time to sit down, and it doesn't take any money. It doesn't cost you anything. Just go down and write what you think of this podcast. We've been putting in a labor of love for a while now. We, we, we'd like to see those reviews coming in, and we'd like to hear how you, we've refined our format. We've, we've done some things to, to move this along for you. Brought in some names this year uh, that, frankly, have been pretty breathtaking for the little podcast that could hear. So, um, so yeah, so go write us a review. Let us know where, we, where you're coming from, what you're thinking about. Uh, always grateful around this time of year to, to you, buddy, and to, the, to uh, Matt and Steven over at RSO and for all the work that Kyle does for everybody. So, Again, it's a good it's a good time to reflect on what what this year has given us. We've had a lot of good football, and uh, so go looking for Goody online. Find me at Fantasy Doc Ock, and uh, we will keep you keep you going through the fantasy playoffs. This has been another episode of All About Reality. <laughs>